Hello, and welcome back to It's Symbolic, going from the midnight screenings to your modern-day attention. I'm Jacob Savage. I'm here. I'm Ben. Well then, how are you doing? I did not have an introduction in mind for this episode, so... Me neither. Huh? Are we doing an episode? Do we do those? Do you record all of our conversations? Should I... I I mean, I feel like you never know when a real gem's gonna show up, right? True, but at the same time, that's a bit of a breach of privacy. What, did I not... I didn't tell you? You you didn't. I haven't told you? No. Why is this the first I'm hearing about this? Uh, well, I definitely told you about that, that, uh, that live feed that anyone can access as well, right? damn it. Let me guess. The uh, actual contents of those, like, uncut and uncensored packages that you sell online. They're just like... God, did I really forget to tell you all this? Oh, God damn it. I'm so so sorry about that. (laughs) We are going to have to have a long talk later. Well... I mean, I'm comfortable with all this, so I don't need to talk. You can talk if you oh want, God. but I'm going to be doing my thing. Yeah. And I guess in the meantime, we'll be doing our own thing, which is having a long talk now. Yep. You're not going to scold me, are you? We'll see I'm how this goes. I'm going to scold you. You're going to scold me? Yes. Yeah. Elaborate? With hot tea. <laughs> uh, I just finished mine. Sorry. You just missed God. it. Damn it. <laughs> We need to coordinate these things better, Mir. Like, yeah, I can send you a photo of my empty mug if that's... Uh, if that no, works. no, I... God damn it. Hold on. Fuck. You can go ahead. Just go ahead. Say what you were going to say. <sighs> All right, well... Uh... <laughs> yes? <laughs> I know. What do you guys know about New Jersey? More than I would like, I guess? I can see it from my window. Oh. More or less. Oh. Wait, so uh, you can't you can't really see that it's empty from this photo, huh? Yeah, he he seriously just sent a photo about <laughs> of his empty mug. Oh well I'm glad that this came across. Is, this is right, what we have to deal with. Um I I've heard of New Jersey. Yeah. So um that's the birthplace of our subject tonight what a segue into it huh (laughs) (laughs) yes we're talking about sally crookshank first that we're talking about an individual as opposed to a work mm. uh, no it's a... not never mind <laughs> <laughs> we talked about an individual like two weeks ago i think i mean the thing is, we talked about jim sullivan just a couple weeks ago and oh, so we are going with the direction of just cutting all that out before, huh? yeah, <laughs> like we yeah yes for those of you at home my mic cut out because audacity is a functional app 
Is it an app? Really I guess it's a program. But, I, thought there was, I thought there was some good stuff in there, we'll to be see. honest. We'll but, see. Anyways. Um. <laughs> and before that, Nekajiru, we talked about the artist as much as we did the art. Man, shut the fuck up. You think you know something about my show? <laughs> it's my show, too, you know. God, you got some nerve. Anyway, tell us about Sally Krugshank. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Finally. <laughs> so... She was born in New Jersey. And we, we established that. She, you already said that part. She studied art. I'm just trying to reestablish where we're I, coming I, from. I remember she was from New Jersey because that's the one piece of information I had. She studied art at Smith College. Oh, we're finally getting somewhere. Junior year, her uh, art teacher, Elliot Offner, sent slides of some stuff of hers to um, a screening committee and she got a two-month scholarship to Yale's summer art school. Uh, I did not know they had one of those. Yeah, a lot of art schools will have like summer yeah, but Yale? programs and stuff. Yeah, but Yale. Yale does have an art school, I know, but True. all I remember hearing about it is that like the, and this is from several years ago, was that the website for it lets students just do whatever. Holy shit. And so as a result, it was terrible. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and, terrible in what sense? In that, like, when you clicked on it, you were just, like, it was just goatsy right on the front page? Or terrible as in it was just poorly uh, designed? Terrible as in, like, poorly designed. I mean, probably like, a bit of the first one as well. right. You know college students. Stuff. I do know college students. I know that college students these days are just so into Goatsy, it's so big. (laughs) (laughs) It's really made a comeback. But this was several years before Yale's arts school had a website, so... That's not relevant. Yeah, this would have been... Yeah, when was this? This would have been the... Late 60s, early 70s. Oh, yeah, there wasn't even an internet then. Yeah. And at the encouragement of a classmate, she decided to try animation. Um, And her first animated short was a three-minute 16-millimeter called Ducky, which I've not seen, uh, but it sort of was, I guess, prototypical of some familiar characters that would show up in her work. It's a mirror episode. It's either aliens or it's ducks. Yep. I I wasn't going to be the one who said it. To be fair, with the name, like, Ducky, it's pretty clear that this is either very wacky and surreal, or just, like, really early Disney and Looney Tunes before they started comedy. <laughs> it was just a nice when nature scene. We... Well, it, when it was just, like, dancing flowers or skeletons. And and then you would win an um, Oscar for that. Mm-hmm. I think you still could, probably. Probably. Maybe. Well, I, mean, I, I think if, if you're Disney, you just sort of, they just sort of hand it to you right away anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean... 
Unless there's a Pixar movie that same year. Yeah, that's that's all the fucking same. Yeah, she has said that her ducks are based on Carl Barks's ducks, but that people don't use people don't tend to see the connection. I'm sure we'll get into some specific ducks later. Yeah, we might. Um, we'll do, we'll do a, a, an avian roll call. <laughs> Waterfowl roll call. So, after graduating, she studied at San Francisco Arts Institute um, to study filmmaking and made, in 1971, a five-minute animated short called Fun on Mars. Don't go round to more fun, whole fun, happiness will come. That's not the way, it doesn't pay. If you want happiness, just help yourself to some. Why don't you try to take life the way I do? Let the whole world... Yeah, how much fun can really be had on Mars? I don't, I don't know if I see it. Uh, well, it was kind of that rover about... just di- that rover just died, you know. That's not very oh, funny. Oh no, <laughs> timely. <laughs> I don't. Know. I mean, our release schedule is already like behind now, so God knows how <laughs> out of vogue that's gonna be when this gets released. <laughs> uh, I I've noticed a bit of a pattern with some surrealist works, be it in animation or music or whatever, where it's just like. Fun on Mars. Fun in space. Fun on the moon. <laughs> Those wild sons of guns love astronomy. Maybe Earth just fucking blows. You were the one just complaining about Mars just now. Yeah, those aren't mutually exclusive. Oh my god. Is there any place that would satisfy you? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Oh dear. So, Fun on Mars, I have seen... And it's fairly different from her, like, later stuff, I guess. It was before she sort of developed her signature style. And um, so there's a lot more, like, collage and stuff. But uh, it's kind of I think I remember walk cycles being part of it. (laughs) I think so, but... After this was Chow Fun in 1972, and then in, like, 1973, or 1975, rather, she made perhaps her best-known work, uh, Quasi at the Cuecadero. I love to look at pictures of people working. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, yeah, which yeah, we all watch. Yes. Yeah. And that's where the meat is, so we're going to have to actually get into that one, aren't we? Yeah. What do you mean, have to? Hey, I'm not complaining. I like this short. I like it, too. Then we're in agreement. For once. You're right. Usually I'm just, I'm such a contrarian. Yeah. <laughs> but... So wh- where do we begin with, with this short? Uh, apparently, it stars ducks. 
They do not look like ducks to anyone but Sally Cruikshank. Her own words. Uh, they have teeth. That's something ducks don't have. I think they have teeth. <laughs> they kind of have teeth, sort of. Have you ever truly looked in a duck's mouth, Benjamin? Um, not closely enough. They don't have human teeth. <laughs> I certainly hope not. No, 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 no. Geese and swans are the ones that keep those collections. You're right. Man, waterfowl are assholes. The, the tooth fairy is a myth. It's actually just waterfowl. <laughs> just a swan breaking into your room in the middle of the night. <laughs> Mr. Tooth Fairy. <laughs> it just whisks them away under its wing as it returns to the pond to sh- share its harvest with foul kind. Jeez. What do they do with it? You don't want to know. <laughs> They formed a. What you, what you don't want to know is that they formed their own variety of capitalism through. Oh no! Keith is barter. <laughs> I, I feel like that's the basis of currency in some video game or another. Anyways, yeah. I mean, somehow we still managed to come up with something less weird than the short we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> These fowl do not collect teeth for fun. Rather, they go to some sort of a carnival type thing. Yes, our main begrudgingly. Yes, our main character is Quasi, who is everyone hates yeah. him. I mean, I hate him. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ben? Are you a Quasi apologist? Uh, I I would say I'm I'm Quasi neutral. Typical. I mean, he goes around the whole shore wearing sh- like swim trunks and no shirt, which is always a red flag. Yeah. I mean, with cartoons, it's usually like the a, opposite. Like a propeller cap? He's introduced yes. laughing at pictures of people working. <laughs> it's a true blue-collar enemy. What did you say your name was? Quasi! Ah, oh, yes. Quasi. Quasi. Here goes, my boy. He is reminded by his friend? Girlfriend? I, I don't know. I guess? I don't really confirm their relationship one way or another but it's complicated (laughs) yes pre-facebook it's complicated his friend anita and their pet robot is it their pet is it their child i don't Uh, it's kind of a um uh, final pam sort of relationship oh my god Alright, that's a, that's a reference that definitely won't get lost on anyone. <laughs> I, that, that really illuminates things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Anita hates Quasi. God, typical, typical gamer making reference to gaming YouTubers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, we're a podcast. People are already comparing us to the McElroys. Even if what we do is completely different. The, the, the who now? Jesus fucking Christ. Quasi! Oh, hello, Anita. Why aren't you ready? You know we're going to the Quackadere World today. Rollo's already in the car. That no good set of training wheels. Ah, shut up. And get a move on. We'll be waiting for you. 
They go to a Coney Island sort of carnival Quackadero. called. It yep. honestly gave me a kind of state fair vibe. Because it, it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I've, I've been to state fairs, and this these state fairs were in shit. Idaho, which... <laughs> nothing against Idaho, just... You, you can imagine what a state fair there is like. Every other booth was deep-fried something or other. That sounds... That sounds like Texas. Usually a dessert that food, That sounds like though. bad. I was gonna say bad. <laughs> so, like, deep-fried Oreos and person. Twinkies. That sounds like... <laughs> that sounds like consuming the... The... <clears throat> Bittersweet taste of death. That's one way to describe it, yeah. For the Quackadero, instead of being focused on unhealthy junk food, it seems to have this sort of theme of, like, time. Of existentialism. We see a number of the attractions there, such as Your Shining Moment, which is hinted to not be true. You, of course, get to see some duck tits. (laughs) Which is how you know Mira's interested. Yep. Oh, oh God, God, you don't even <laughs> deny it! Jesus Christ! <laughs> what is wrong with you? This is a real deviant episode, <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> they do some fun things with the setting and possibilities, especially one sequence set in the Hall of Time Mirrors is exactly what it sounds like. There's just a bunch of mirrors showing things at different ages. Then there's Thinkoblink, which paints pictures of your thoughts, which is already concerning. But then, I mean, the entire main cast goes through it. Rollo and Anita's show some issues, and then Quasi's is just straight up vor. Well, I mean, I, I, I think the intent was more to just show this this malice as opposed to fetishization because i don't what was the, what's the difference then? i'm asking what's the difference no was vora thing then i don't know possibly the first little know. shop movie was already out but like a sexual thing are you I seriously going to make me look fetishes. this up let's see history um. of <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let's see, wiki fur? Yeah. Alright. Plain old Wikipedia doesn't have anything. Ah. Uh, oh, I'm full of regret. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually look it up? <laughs> Boy, sometimes you just forget that wikis have pictures. <laughs> you know? Oh my god. <laughs> up on you. <laughs> I can't fucking I can't fucking believe that this is what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, look, when the bar was so far underground after Mira admitting her affinity for duck tits, it's like, <laughs> how low can I really go? Anyway, <laughs> flashing images and very surreal things. Uh, possibly what Crookshank is best at, we get a sequence of that. And then, what's after that? Past lives, I think? There's like two major sequences in the latter half of the film. One is Quasi being shown his past lives as part of, like, a vaudeville show, which is a hack, as a lot of vaudeville shows are, which brings us to our finale, 
other at the time holes. What, is there something inherently amusing about the phrase time hole? Yeah. That was all her. You you don't care to elaborate? (laughs) I mean... This episode is already shot to hell! (laughs) It kind of makes me think of, like, the bottomless pit from the Teen Girl Squad. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah? When you fall into a time hole... You die of starvation! Die of starvation. Now we're, just, we're, we're going real esoteric Yeah, today, we huh? are. Miss Krugshank, if you are somehow listening to this, I am sorry. I am so, so sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I, I don't think we can apologize enough. However, the time holes are not so much holes as they are exhibits through which you see different periods of time. And if you fall in, you're trapped forever. Very. It's Rollo. Hello, Quasi. Anita, is that really a hole in time? Yes, Quasi. And if you fell over, you'd land white smack in that time, and you'd never come back. They're not kidding either. See the guy in the Romans exhibit, front row, middle? He used to be my neighbor. Having put up with enough of Quasi's bullshit by this point, as have we all, Anita and Rollo trick Quasi into leaning over the railing through a chocolate cake, and then push him into dinosaur times. Hey, Freddy! Remember remember seeing that cute little ducky before? No, Chucky. This is why I'm sort of neutral. I don't, I don't think I dislike him enough to want to send him back to like the Paleozoic era. No, I think I might have just named something that doesn't. You see, exist. this is just a preview. That's the lead-in to Land Before Time 15. <laughs> this is three million BC, so I think that's post dinosaurs. But uh, he is nonetheless confronted by them. This shit happens sometimes. And that's how it ends. Yeah. (laughs) Our hero is chased around by dinosaurs. And that's the last we see of Quasi. He gets better. He doesn't seem to mind too much. Yeah, he was okay. Yeah, he's just like snacking on some watermelon. So where does her career go from here? Well, Quasi at the Quackadero was quite successful. Um, It was shown at Ah, the... Los Angeles Film Exposition, and uh, in 2009, it was selected for preservation for the United States Film Registry. So, that's how you know it's important. Yeah, There's also a well-regarded collection from, like, 1998, I believe, where numerous people in the animated short industry voted on the 50 best animated short films. Quasi at the Quackadero is, I believe, number 45 on the list. That is quite an honor. Also, it's one of, like, only three films on that list to be released after, like, 1960. Oh, wow. A lot of classic Looney Tunes, which, I mean, good for them. Yeah, I feel like... I, I don't think they need the recognition. Yeah. Okay, so her next short was... Uh, the 35mm Make Me Psychic, 
1978, which also stars Quasi and time it focuses more on anita yeah she, she's voiced by Shank in this very odd oh. tone wait was yeah. she not before oh she was yeah she was she's okay. always done the voice and quasi was voiced by the cartoonist uh kim deitch i don't know how his name is pronounced but uh, they were in a long-term relationship at the time. Hopefully, uh, Anita's disdain of Quasi wasn't her trying to say something. Hmm. Anyway, make me psychic. How exactly does one make one psychic? Some kind of a device that taps into your latent telekinetic power. Yes, Anita goes to a store and just buys one of these things. <laughs> I mean, would you really be surprised if you saw something like that in, like, the as-seen-on-TV section at Walmart? Oh, shit, you're right. I mean, I was gonna say it sounds like the plot of a made-for-TV movie that would later get shown on MST3K, but... The Make Me Psychic yeah. device is in Merlin's Shop of Mystical Wonders. Why, <laughs> Quasi, hello. Anita, what have you got there? A little device for increasing my psychic abilities. Uh, get out of here. No, really. I will make matter obey my will. It's also in this short that we get the introduction of the third character of the Quasi Dynamic. Snozzy. Is that like a, a dark quasi? <laughs> Shadow quasi, the true self. I think quasi is already dark quasi. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, shit, you're I right. See. Really, it's more the thought of two of them that's more frightening than anything else. But yeah, Snozzy is a well put together, clean, handsome duck who invites Anita and quasi to a party where she promptly shows off her psychic abilities, because what else do you do at parties? Mm. was one thing that was bugging me throughout this whole sequence. Was one of the ducks racist? Were they? I mean, like, I know which one you're yeah, talking I was about. Just like... But it's like, I don't know. I, I can't tell if that's particularly... it or if it's just me reading too much into the cartoonist style. I don't know. We also get a musical number about sexual assault. Fun! All one look at you sends me heading at you like a comet. And the feeling of impending trauma may be due to my boiling brain, it's true. Cause believe me, baby, it's home in a basket to mama. You find in some of Craig Shank's later shorts that she'll just stop everything for a musical number, and I love that. Yeah. Like, this isn't even me speaking as a musical theater, gotta love it guy. This is just... Okay, we're going to stop everything now. Uh, this is what we're focusing on, and we're not these, going to talk about it these again. These things can, can wait. Yeah. Priorities. Avoiding a grabby full-scale invasion or a heavy-handed tactic like the octopus stroll. Baby, you'd be so happy within my goal. I'd give you a castle in Spain. If I could get my hands on it. But let's think of the moment 
not what we can say or do, because the only thing that truly matters is if I can get my hands on you. What happens? Anita gets pissed off at something. Makes everyone bounce? Uh, he, he uh, quasi pulls out her chair from under her. Oh, yeah. And that just gets her really upset, and she makes everyone bounce. Which sounds like the very lame first draft of Scanners. Did that joke resonate with anybody at all? Nope. Sounds like a very lame first draft of Carrie. Alright. I, I get that. Okay. But yeah, eventually someone bounces throughout the house, lands on the waterbed, breaks it, and then the whole house is flooded. But nope, the whole thing was just a dream. And she's just fucking drowning in her bathtub. What's going on? Anita, what's this? Give me that! You're a duck. You're supposed to be better than this. Why'd she leave the door unlocked in the bath? It's kind of I mean, weird. She think lives alone, it. I it's think. Little, it's, a, it's a little unrealistic. I, I think it's implied that she lives alone. I don't know why Quasi and Snazzy are there. <laughs> you know, they just show up to crash sometimes. Go through her fridge. Maybe they were worried. Maybe we don't need to assume such ill intent. True. That was Make Me Psychic, which I am... Some parts, I believe, are better than Quasi at the Quackadera. Some parts aren't. But I do consider this to be one of her better pieces. And going on from there? Um, in 1980, she won a $10,000 grant from the National Endowment from the, for the Arts to create a storyboard in three-minute sample reel for a proposed animated feature, Quasi's Cabaret, but it doesn't sound like that ended up really happening. Yeah, I mean, she did make the trailer, it's online. It seems like it would have been an interesting project. Yeah. Which is, Um, as far as I can tell, it was, I want to say more a collection of scenes than an overarching plot, but they have a cabaret now. Not the Candor and Deb cabaret, which would be something else entirely. And I, I was going so to go into maybe this time in my best like a... Anita impression, but you don't want that. You really don't. Now, hello. I hope you have enjoyed this presentation. I think it will be a real hit. Consider, if you will, the possibilities of... Ansel merchandise, the ideas of which are endless. I hope you will consider producing Quasi's Cabaret. Thank you. So, maybe my favorite of her, like, short films is the 1987 film Face Like a Frog, which... Yes, this one is my favorite, too. What she describes is frogs in a haunted house. Um, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, it's very striking visually, and it also has a song from Danny Elfman. Yes, um, appearing as a literal lounge lizard. <laughs> oh, 
I get it. <laughs> did, did it take you a moment? Well, I mean, it took me from the time I watched it until right after you said it. Like I said, this is my favorite as well, which is, I don't know, some parts of Quasi at the Quackadero look like marker on paper, which is her style. I'm not dissing her for it. I like it. This one looks the closest to traditional animation in her repertoire, I think. And it goes all out with a lot of striking colors. Everything's constantly shifting and moving. Just the dialogue Every sentence takes the one before it out of context, and none of them sound like they were recorded in relation to each other. No, snapper. Does your dog have rabies? No, he gave them all away. He looks like my car. That's what they all say. I have to change. Don't change! Legitimately like surrealism at its finest. That's, like, my goal for my real-life conversations, to be honest. <laughs> Just to talk like this all the time. I would love to. You can't really talk about too much while discussing this short, because there's not really much plot. Yeah, it's hard to describe. I love it so much. It's yeah. like, things happen. Things happen. Also, for the record, um, the song Don't Go in the Basement was recorded and, like, created for the short specifically. But, and a few years later, she allowed the Oingo Boingo to include it on, like, a collection album. But then from there, the, I guess, record label tried to say that, like, this, that this song came first and was used for was used in the short. Oh, but, fun. Oh, labels. Corporate dorks. Yeah, I mean... Um, now that I think so of, this was since like, then... I'm trying to find... Yeah, I mean, this was like very shortly after Danny Elfman made it big, too. Like, this was prior to most of his stuff with Tim Burton, but he had done Forbidden Zone, and... He had just come off of scoring Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Like, this is actually kind of a big deal. Oh! Tell a dirty story in the old conservatory. But don't go in the basement. You can make a scene of the mezzanine. But don't go in the basement. You can fill yourself with static with gossip in the attic. But don't go in the basement. Light yourself a torch on the old front porch. They don't go in the basement. Oh, you may think that it's real cool to ride. Now, Face Like a Frog is my favorite of her shorts. I wholly recommend that you look into it. Like it's only like five minutes, and it is a delight from beginning to end. With a shocking twist. Yes. <laughs> That we referenced at the end of the last episode. Yeah, which is how these things work. I don't remember that. <laughs> it, it's okay. I do also want to point out so she's that also done... Sally Krukshank also did some film work at the time. Yeah, so she did and, and directed 
sequences for 1983's Twilight Zone, the movie. Yes. Where, uh, the, for the last bit. Yes, the take movie, on It's a Good Life. Wherein, wherein a kid uh, puts Nancy Cartwright in a TV. And she's eaten by cartoon monsters. And Which, to be fair, is like one... a good metaphor for her life for the last 30 years. Nancy Cartwright, not Sally Krugshank. <laughs> yeah. You have no uh, idea who we're herself. talking about, do you, Ben? Huh? What? Are we still <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Anything can happen. That one I felt had, like, her style, but didn't totally look like her work. Like, other people were actually animating it, I guess. I wouldn't be surprised. And also, 1984's Top Secret, but I don't remember what the animated bits in that movie was. I just remember watching it with my dad a few years ago. And she also animated the opening credits to Ruthless People. I really liked the these opening credits. I mean, apparently Mick Jagger hated them. And he sang the opening song. Sucks to be him. Yeah. I, like, I liked the song a lot, but it wouldn't be nearly as memorable without the animated bits. They just never really make animated opening credits anymore, do they? Yeah. That's Last one like, I can think of is, like, Juno. Yeah, and that one was just all rotoscope, really. Yeah. Or just, like, drawn on top of... I mean, yes, it was drawn. That's just... how animation works. I mean, it looked more kind of like... More realism. A filter. Like a filter on top of live-action footage, but it's been a long time since I've seen it, so maybe I'm just remembering wrong. Mm. Also... Mannequin in 1987, Loverboy in 1989, Madhouse in 1990, and Smiley Face in 2007. Oh. And in the 1980s and 90s, she also did a number of, like, uh, animated song sort of things for Sesame Street, which is kind of my first, uh, I think, exposure to her work was through Sesame Street. For some reason, I don't really remember, like, when I was a kid, animated portions of Sesame Street, I don't remember that happening for some reason. Yeah, I feel like they were somewhat phased out by the time I watched regularly. Yeah. That's... But also, I just don't remember much from then. (laughs) The thing is, I I remember remember having a few CDs when I was very young of some of the songs from the show. And some of those appeared in these animated shorts. And I have not been able to focus since. I don't remember, like, specific bits that she did. But she did. I do remember, like, recognizing the style. And, um... I mean, she did the song that Jimmy Buffett made for Sesame Street. Yeah. Caribbean amphibian. Sometimes he likes to go sun himself on soft Caribbean sand. He's a Caribbean amphibian. He likes to hop in the tropical sea. Caribbean amphibian. 
Sesame Street's own Margaritaville. Her first attempt at computer animation. It's interesting because you can still tell that it's her, but instead of the very hand-drawn nature of her individual shorts, a lot of the Sesame Street ones actually looked a... They reminded me of, like, Mario paint animations. That's an interesting comparison. I mean, like... I'm not sure if I picked up on that, but... I don't know. I guess it's... It may just be the age of the clips. Yeah, perhaps. The character design was still, like, very... Oh, definitely. A lot of these frogs. She also drew a lot of crocodiles. Yeah, these are fun. I did not expect some of these things. Admittedly, like, going from the quasi-shorts to the Sesame Street ones... The latter are very subdued in comparison, yet still very recognizably her. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't have so any she... nostalgia for these, but apparently a lot of people do. Yeah, one of them had a well-known jazz singer whose name I'm blanking on, <laughs> unfortunately. Evidently not that well-known. Yeah, so well-known. Can... Well, no, she's well-known, I just don't remember stuff. In you referring to the... Betty Carter one? Yes. I had a thought, didn't find it on the book. Do you know where thoughts are from? Very simply said, the thought came from my head. Had it from my head. Thoughts come from your head. From your head. I the only one that she refers to by name on her YouTube channel. Yeah. She's uploaded a lot of her work to uh, YouTube and Vimeo. Yeah. Um, Which is very nice because, you know, she actually owns the rights. Which yeah. you never hear anymore. And uh, while we're talking she about... She had a website. Yeah, while we're talking what? about her and the internet. <laughs> she did have a website called uh, funonmars.com, which she closed, I think... At the end of last year. Um, no, actually, um, she was not her decision. It was, like, the web provider due to, like, Flash being a huge issue. Oh. A few of her online things have also been uploaded to YouTube, which are interesting. Very yeah. early Flash. She did try to make a new series called Charbucks, which was... Mostly a series of conversations at a coffee shop between Anita and her friend Whimsy, who is a horse that works at a store that sells electronics that can think. As far as I can tell, these were originally uploaded in GIF, GIF format. I, I don't give a shit how it's pronounced. Please don't. Just say, the, just say both every time. Yeah. <laughs> that no one can hold it against you. Uh, she... Uploaded some of them in Flash format with computer-generated voices, <laughs> which is an experience. Totally a secret. Tell me. I had a boyfriend who used to go out here until he had a spill. He fell up, you. No, he spilled his drink. You don't want to spill it. Why? What happens? They take you downstairs to their corporation. They make you a member. They teach you things. 
Which also works because I believe that she also had a chatbot set up for one of them. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. But alas, the destruction of Flash meant it was not to be. R.I.P. Tragic in many senses. We keep coming back to Flash. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it wasn't so bad after Mm. all. Anyway, I'm stepping on your thunder mirror. (laughs) You can continue. That's all right. Um, I don't really remember what I was saying, but that's kind of up to the present, I guess. Yeah, I mean, according to some of the comments she has left, she actually responds to a lot of comments on her YouTube channel. When asked about future projects, she states that she is finished with animation. Aw. Yes, because of the influx of, you know, the Disney Pixar style, DreamWorks and all of that, it is her opinion that 2D animation is dead. Or at the very least, traditional style animation is dead. Mm. Which is a shame and kind of defeatist. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean... I don't know, it's it's hard to have that same perspective being totally outside the industry, but I can understand why one would just think it's not worth it at some point, you know? Yeah, I guess... Yeah, a lot of her more recent videos are just, like, her life on a farm. Good for her. She's living her best life. There's one interview from approximately 1980 in which Cruikshank states that other people have a very limited view of animation, and she really wants to... She really wanted to push the boundaries of what could be done with it. Which is my personal favorite way to view animation. Well, see how it goes? Given that a lot of... I mean, even back then, but especially now, a lot of things are like... Realism! Keep it consistent or else Tumblr's gonna yell at you! Sure. Here, there is no attention given to consistency or anything, really. She goes a lot into exaggeration and poses and expression. Yeah. It works. It's... It works so well. Yeah. It's, like, I guess her own way of doing things. And it's very different from other animators. And I am so sorry to hear that she's left it behind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you are interested in, like, animated shorts, I wholly recommend you check her work out. Especially the three primary ones by her. Quasi at the Quackadero, Make Me Psychic, and Face Like a Frog. The last of which is legitimately one of my favorites. And we're definitely very fortunate to have them all so accessible now. Yes. Yeah. I'll admit her work kind of scared me when I first came across it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the very first short by hers I saw was Face Like a Frog, which is intended to be a bit nightmarish. Yeah. It's just so unique, and I love it. So much. I've said that like three times by now, but it's true. Yeah. And, uh, any further thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. Does anyone want to do any general begrudging about the current state of Western animation? Um, At least with like. Honestly, I feel like Western animation. Yeah, like short film animation is still. Yeah, yeah. Catching Less up. like the episodic structure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, as a whole, I feel like animation's in a better place than it's been in decades. Yeah, kinda. While it's harder, 
it's simultaneously easier and harder for independent animators to find their footing these days. Because on one hand, you've got the internet. On the other hand, you've got a monopoly in the industry. Yeah. And it still is a very small industry. I guess that's what makes the good stuff shine even brighter. I don't know. <laughs> that's nice. That's a nice sentiment. Yeah. Where does it go? To hell. Oh no, can't go. But it makes one stop in Miami, bitch. Hello, Max. Anyway, thank you for listening to It's Symbolic. If you have suggestions for something for us to cover, which I highly recommend you do, it helps us so much. And we want to keep the show, like, as varied and eclectic as possible. And listener input is one of the best ways for us to do that. We are... What he's saying is we don't know shit about, like, music and books, so... (laughs) I read. I don't. I do. Oh, look at you two. <laughs> I'm the one who did the poetry episode. Yeah, and you did fucking Eye of Argon, too. No, I did Eye of Argon. Ah, <laughs> uh, never mind. Fuck you, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are available on Twitter at It's Symbolic PC or through email at It's Symbolic Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram at It's Symbolic Podcast if you want to see a lot of really trippy visuals in bright colors. He finally said trippy. Someone finally oh said trippy. Oh my god. He was the first one to say Jesus it. Jesus Christ. Live with that. Oh my god. And no matter how you're listening, please leave a review, give a rating, share it with your friends. It's a great way to spread the word about our show and a great way for us to be able to keep doing the show, which we love doing. Think about the nice conversations you could have with your friend afterwards. Yeah. Not as nice as the conversations we have, but probably <laughs> yeah. still not. not you you bad. can talk about which of us is your least favorite. Well, I already know the answer to that. Hmm. Anyway, I'm Jacob. I'm here. I'm Ben. Join us next time when we learn why you don't go into the woods in the middle of the night alone. What are you thinking? Why would you do this? You really didn't need to elaborate any further. I have no fucking reason to... There's there's jack shit in the woods other than, like, getting fucking mauled by bears and bitten by bugs and bullshit like that. Who the fuck would voluntarily, like, go camping or anything? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Like, no shit? I'm an Eagle Scout, and that is a very fantastic question. Fucking moron would be like, ah, oh, I'm gonna go. I could fucking stay in an air conditioned house with electricity and internet. Instead, I'm gonna go chill with some goddamn trees. Because they have fucking the same intellectual capacity I do, I guess. <laughs>